0: Hello everyone and welcome to Space Spiels. My name is Paige Kaufman and I am an undergraduate astronautical engineering student at the University of Southern California. On this podcast, we will talk about all things aerospace. We will discover how people got where they are in industry and their experience of the culture and community on the way. Enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Space Spiels. Today's guest is Daniel Marchant. Danny is a junior studying astronautical engineering here at USC, just like me, and he is in the liquid propulsion lab. He does hardware and wiring stuff on feed systems in LPL, and he also does aviation safety and ethics research. He is also one of my best friends, so it was great to sit down and talk with him. He's just a wealth of knowledge. So I hope that you guys enjoy. We talk about the apocalypse and how space could be beneficial in the apocalypse and in saving our species. So enjoy. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode. I am here with Danny Martian. Say hello, Danny. Hi, how are you? I'm great. Thank you, for having- I'm not used to having my close friends on the show, so this this will be a first. Okay, Danny, so you're here to talk about the apocalypse, am yeah, I
1: right? A nice, lighthearted subject.
0: Yes, so we're, we're really talking about joy um, and the deep roots of joy out here. So, Danny, explain to me the types of apocalypse the way that you did before this episode, please.
1: Sure, so... For humanity to survive a doomsday type scenario, it's really important to kind of go into the aspects of your podcast band together as a community. So, how we see in the scientific community is just two major different types of potential doomsday scenarios that humans face. The first is natural, so things like super volcanic eruptions, asteroid impacts, uh, an ice age about fifty thousand years or so. Um, these are things that either we're very close to having technology to be able to combat. Or likely will by the time they happen um, or in a case of like a super volcano eruption if that was to erupt we have ways in which we can protect large portions of our population um, through genetic engineering and food and different things like that so natural disasters are not our biggest concern the biggest concern is man-made disasters because we're now at this tipping point where it seems that humanity could go anywhere from utopia to total collapse. And so these man-made disasters are the biggest concern um, to many people in the scientific community right now.
0: Gotcha. Wow. Okay. Eloquently put, so um, people really are our biggest threat. People are just selfish sometimes. But I think there's hope. So you said that there were unnatural disasters that could happen. Could you elaborate on those?
1: Sure. So there's four major causes. Um, the first of which is one you hear about in the news very often is climate change. Uh, humans have contributed to a very large-scale change in Earth's climate that continues to only grow exponentially. It get hotter and hotter every year. Um, this is leading to like large disasters, uh, increases in hurricanes, um, flooding, natural disasters like that. Um, it will eventually lead to large scale flooding of major cities. For example, um, some climate models predict cities like New York City could be completely underwater in a few thousand or something years. Um, and so climate change is a major concern, um, especially as it o- is only going to take a few dozen degrees Celsius to make Earth essentially uninhabitable to humans. Um, so that's one. Number two, nice. um, number two would be obviously nuclear war, um, nuclear holocaust. There's been efforts recently to reduce the amount of nuclear weapons that countries have in their arsenals, but countries like the United States, Russia, um, they still have extremely large nuclear arsenals that if one was to fire one, it could lead to all-out destruction. Um, Third is biotechnology. We saw the COVID pandemic um, a few years ago, which is most likely a natural disease, but we've seen what a pandemic can still do in our modern era. Um, Biotechnology would give a small group of people the power to make diseases that could wipe out large portions of the human race. Um, and finally is artificial intelligence. This is perhaps the scariest one um, because these other three are things we can outsmart. We might not be able to outsmart artificial intelligence. So those four have some major concerns um, when it comes to our long-term survival.
0: Whoa, wait, the biodisease one? I've never thought of that. That's scary. It is scary. Has that been attempted to your knowledge?
1: Who knows? There is no way. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure many countries have programs that go. So, yeah.
0: Do you think ours does?
1: In terms of weaponizing it, maybe in a retaliatory way, who knows? Um, Whoa. Those aren't things I'm qualified to know about.
0: Right. Um, and you probably wouldn't be sharing it on my podcast if you did. So, uh, and then, the, wait, what was the last one?
1: Artificial intelligence. Right.
0: That. So, in my research, we love. We love artificial intelligence over here and are you scared of it no okay why not
1: well artificial intelligence is a vital tool to our long-term success as a civilization it can only help us grow um, if we use it the correct way Right now, I was playing a game of chess against ChatGPT the other day. Um, It didn't go well because ChatGPT doesn't know how to play chess. So, you know, there are still limitations to our current artificial intelligence, but it's growing and improving so quickly that soon it'll overtake our knowledge. In many ways, it already has. Can you multiply 42 times 93 easily? No, it can in a second, less than a second. Um, Let me answer that. Exactly. Like, it had already gotten the answer before you could even think about it. So artificial intelligence is growing really fast, but it can also be used as a tool in a lot of our communities. We've seen NASA, for example, um, using um, artificial intelligence to design a new spacecraft. They're having a factor of reliability and success of like three compared to man-made designs. Um, Artificial intelligence has been used to detect cancers and cures to cancers at rates far faster than humans ever could. So artificial intelligence is a hugely important tool, and what's honestly probably one of the largest objectives for humans in the near and large-scale future is once we create a super intelligent AI whatever you consider that to be we want one that is on our side because there are going to be groups that make malicious AI you look at terrorism right now um, obviously it's on the ground warfare at the moment one day it's going to be artificial intelligence terrorism and so you want a solid AI that can protect you from these malicious AIs so that's that having an ai on our side is like a major major thing going forward
0: wow interesting how do you know about all this stuff google (laughs) did you just go down a rabbit hole was this in high school
1: no i just spent a lot of time thinking through these things and reading reports and journals and all of that
0: do you have a um apocalypse food storage (laughs)
1: Uh, Do I have a food supply? Um, No, although I do have, like, an emergency supply in case of natural disasters like cans and stuff, but not for a large-scale apocalypse. An important thing kind of on that is none of these events would likely wipe out all humans. Um, There are certain points probably – I read a study on this um, a little while ago where um, below some certain population threshold, industry could collapse, right? So our businesses and all of that could collapse but we'd still have agriculture, so we'd still be able to survive. Um, there's a certain threshold in which agriculture could collapse and we'd go back to like a hunter-gatherer society. Um, but I think the number was between something like 105,000 individuals. As long as that many survive, it's, popu- it's, it's possible to repopulate. Um, and so while a, an attack could wipe out a large part of um, like, humans, it's not all lost because we inhabit so many different remote corners of the globe that there are pockets of people who will survive elsewhere. And that leads us kind of to the space thing, is one of the most major things we can do to reduce our chances of extinction is leave the Earth, become an interplanetary species.
0: So before we get to the space stuff. Sure. I went down a YouTube rabbit hole, and it's just this couple that does a lot of traveling, right? Awesome. And one, they traveled to this, like, camp that made bunkers like giant apocalyptic bunkers, cool. <laughs> and these, this like just like town of them, and they just lived in them. Thoughts?
1: <laughs> it's it's funky the stuff like that. Is like, you know, like some people can survive, but that's that's not gonna save humans. They need things, and so there's, for example, a really cool vault in this island called Svalbard, which is a territory of Norway. It's super far up in the Arctic, and which they have seeds for over four thousand plants. So in the case of, like, a nuclear holocaust, surviving humans could go there and reintroduce plant species oh, and, like, regrow the Earth. Or we could store those places like the moon underground, mm-hmm. where they'll be safe from solar radiation and asteroid, micro-asteroid impacts and stuff um, for future use.
0: Well, cool. Okay. So are you a proponent of the SpaceX vision of, like like, inhabiting Mars as quick as possible? Or how do you see interplanetary... Um, human habitants happening.
1: Yeah, the the important part is I, I agree with the mission. As soon as possible, personally, I don't think we're going to get wiped out in like 20 years. Mm-hmm. I think it's important we do it right. Um, right now, the big push is, to, is the Artemis mission to the moon. That's not really a long-term solution because the moon has no atmosphere. Right. Mars is a viable option if we can get a self-sustaining environment there. Once it becomes self-sustaining, then if something happens on Earth, humans are somewhere else, and they don't have to rely on Earth. So that's the really important part, to have another civilization that's self-sustaining on a different planet. It could be a different planet. In the far future, it could be a moon. It could be a different solar system. It could be... There's, there's different types of civilizations, too, which are things we could work towards. There's like a type one civilization, which is a civilization that could use all of the energy that the Earth gets um, so, like, that's a lar- long-term goal of, like, a really successful human race is to be able to harness all of that energy. Mm-hmm. type 2, all the energy of the sun. Type 3, all the energy of the Milky Way. Those are very, very far in the future, if at all possible. Right. Uh, but for at least for now, like, that kind of thing where we're populating our own solar system and have those backup options, if that makes sense. I went on a little tangent there.
0: That's fine. That's what this is for, for you to go on tangents. Thanks. What do you think the realistic timeline for that is?
1: a mission to mars i think I, yeah yeah
0: a mission to mars and like actual habitation
1: i think we awesome. could i think we could have humans on mars in 5 to 10 years um that's optimistic well, we
0: can but do you think we will because without like a space race type of energy
1: i'm not sure honestly i th- i think 5 to 10 years is a reasonable amount of time i mean we've never done interplanetary travel never yeah first we've ever gone is the moon. Mars is way further. So there's a lot of unknown factors. It's a long mission. um, like It's a a long time to get there um, versus just a couple days to get to the moon. So those are some big risks um, that some governments, probably the United States, but perhaps also China um, or India or the growing space programs would be willing to make. Um, China specifically, India is catching up fast, but they're pretty far behind still. Um, Or the European Space Association or Um, So those are all options. But I think, uh, like, a self-sustaining colony on Mars, we're looking at at least 100 years, probably potentially longer. Um, But it could easily be shorter. Our technology grows so quickly that you don't know what the limitations will look like in 10 years.
0: Right, right. Do you think the main reason for doing it would just be, would be to, like, have for, like, safety for the human race? Or do you think that it's more, like, because we want to explore
1: it's both it's a, it's a significant factor in ensuring our long-term survival i think that's the main goal of the governments of the earth um, uh, although like one of the most important questions in human history has been who are we where do we come from and by being able to have humans on the ground on other planets exploring it could explain a lot more about our own origins
0: right yeah that's why i want humans on mars get those samples back and or study in there i mm-hmm. guess. So, I mentioned we're kind of looking into internships nowadays, and I mentioned a company. I was like, yeah. So, their main goal was to have interplanetary human settlements. So, I told this to someone I was traveling with this past weekend, and she just kind of snarled at it. She was like, Oh, you. And then I was like, Yeah, I kind of understand. Like, because there's that side that's like, Oh, we need to focus our resources on Earth, keep Earth healthy, whatever. Um, what what are the main counter arguments to like not traveling in the or not travelling to new planets, Mars specifically, and then what do you say to them?
1: Well, there's kind of like the ethical, kind of naturalist argument that says we have screwed up the earth so much with our own actions, why would we go and pollute another planet, kind of thing? I don't really prescribe to that because to our knowledge nothing is living on that planet it's a wasteland already if anything we'll make it more beautiful because life is beautiful mm-hmm. um i think it's extremely important um to be doing this the only other drawback honestly is safety um if you send someone to mars will they be able to come back yeah uh, unclear we've launched small capsules from mars before but people return missions do we have the capability for that right now when we send people will we have the capability for that Mm -hmm. it's kind of unclear um that's a major one and then there's probably just a faction of people who are against innovation they don't they're afraid of the unknown and they don't want to see us go out and try to find it um and and that fear of the unknown is like a a recurring thing in (laughs) earth's history like you see fear of the unknown as like kind of the cause of many religions worldwide for example mm-hmm. um, to for people who, to, to believe what they can't explain um, and if you're religious obviously like you can believe in whatever you choose to believe yeah. um, but that's like something that's always existed in our civilization um, and so that will continue to persist even as we push further
0: right right interesting it's fun to think about the type of people that would end up going which is such a high risk and even you know if and when that permanent settlement comes the first people that you send um i'm sure there's there's like 10 million science fiction movies about that oh definitely but um i i don't know if it probably won't happen in our lifetime but i would really like to see the type of people they end up sending there i think that would be nuts it will
1: happen in our lifetime
0: the well getting to mars will but Mm -hmm. a permanent settlement probably won't most likely it will you I, said a hundred years. I think we could have Year a permanent 20.
1: settlement, self-sustaining. We're looking at a long term. Oh, we'll have to terraform at least really? some part of. I mean, the, there is like a movement to like terraform the planet, make it green again. Okay. We don't have the technology for that right now. <laughs> I mean, we can do it. Mars was once rich with oceans. Right. Um, it would be difficult. We don't have the technology for it, but mm-hmm. we could create an atmosphere where a mission from Earth every couple years comes in and helps with some sort of camp they have there that has a regulated atmosphere um, that's available to, like, sustain life. You think of, like,
0: a big bubble?
1: Yeah, like a bubble, like a building, basically, a large building, camp, yeah. Uh,
0: Whoa. There's something borderline sad about it. What's sad? I don't know. There's no Earth sky there.
1: They have a sky. <laughs> they have an atmosphere.
0: That's true, and it's probably pretty in its own way.
1: Very red. Very.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Fight on. <laughs> yeah, very
1: uh, Mars is very iron rich. So.
0: Right, right. Well, Valid. would you go
1: to Mars? Mm-hmm. No, I'm afraid of heights.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we know that. Yes, I forgot about that one. That would that would definitely prevent you from going to Mars.
1: Well, one, one popular thing you could kind of ask about is, like, why? Why survive?
0: Oh, okay. So what would your answer to that question be?
1: Well, uh, there is no good answer. <laughs> That's the problem. Um, with a collapse in our civilization, like, worst-case scenario is humans stop existing. Our civilization collapses. I don't know about other life on earth but probably wouldn't be too great for them either if we go out because we're one of the most honestly adaptable we're definitely one of the most adaptable species on earth if not the most adaptable Um, and our ability to adapt has been able to keep us alive for a long time like the black Plague wiped out 10% of the global population and it was followed immediately by the scientific revolution so you know like we've shown history of adapting for a very long time however like In terms of long-term, it's important for us to continue to kind of explore the universe because we are made from all the same stardust that our sun is and that our planets are, right? And I I like to view it as we are the universe kind of recognizing itself because we're created from the same things, right? So we're the living representation of the universe. And so our question that we have to answer is where did we come from? And by doing that, we have to explore. We have to leave our solar system. We have to see what's out in the Milky Way. That's probably the physical limitation we can. But we can telescope things way further. We can see a lot. We continue to explore. Um, And most importantly, if we continue to exist, um, things will get better. Our population has grown tons. The quality of life has increased in every way because technology continues to get better and better. And so we're going to have an ever-growing population of young people for decades and decades, centuries, centuries, hopefully millennia, that will be able to contribute scientifically and advance human knowledge. And so by keeping ourselves alive, we are recognizing more in the universe. And perhaps the last one, a little sentimental, is do we owe it to the Earth that's given us life to save it? In, five, in, in a billion years, the Earth will be uninhabitable because the sun continues to get brighter.
0: Right. In
1: about five billion years, we think the sun will swallow the Earth. Right. Could we do something about that? If we're still around, could we save our planet? Find a way to pull it out of that reach and make it a habitable place for humans for eons forever. Um, so those are the two big ones for me. Wow. Explore the universe, what? save the earth.
0: <laughs> that was nuts. You just went on about that. So on something you mentioned were animals yeah. that I just wanted to touch on
1: before we sure. wrap up,
0: which is, do you think we'd ever bring animals to Mars? Because I want to bring my horse with me.
1: I, I think it's... Importance. Although I hate to break this, see the first animals so I'll probably be brought are livestock animal animals. Um, so for food, um, unless our um, g- gene editing and our uh, genetically modified foods um, get so well that we can grow meat on trees, oh, right. um, then <laughs> we wouldn't have to bring animals. Um, but you know, someday, far in the future. Um, there will hopefully be leisure activities on places like Mars where you could bring animals like horses um, if we're still riding them by that time. Oh, um, if
0: we're still riding
1: them yeah. by that time. I thought of one more thing okay. on why we should keep going.
0: Okay.
1: Um, so nothing lasts forever, right? No species exists forever. Mm-hmm. And so we were kind of talking about the history of humans, right? right? Like where they came from, how we've adapted. The best way to go extinct is to evolve into some higher species. It's to continue to grow so technologically advanced, um, intelligently advanced, that we become, like, truly, like, a universal, like, a a life form that can reach unfathomable parts of the universe. Um, I think that's really cool. And that should be, like, the long-term goal is to, you know, continue to make ourselves better, basically. Sure. Um, that throws in the artificial evolution. Do we combine ourselves with machines? Oh, and yeah. A whole tangent. Dude, talk yeah. about
0: the AI and that combining. Oh, my God. That's a whole nother episode. Um, all right. I think that's all I have for you. Do you have anything else that you've thought of to
1: mention? Yes, space dolphins. <laughs> I'm pink? just saying. If, pink, if you think
0: if, if, pink dolphins are real?
1: Yeah. They're cool. I think they're fine. Yeah, one of the most intelligent species on Earth is dolphins. And so if we go out, my money's on the dolphins. <laughs> Although, I'm just saying, if t- typically in mass extinction events, um, ocean animals have had a better chance of survival. But I think if we get wiped out as right. pretty large mammals, dolphins probably don't have great odds. So if you're actually betting on it, i put your money on the octopi.
0: Really? You think they'll start walking?
1: Oh, they already kind of shimmy. Right. You ever seen an octo- octopus on a beach? Out of their tank and yeah, stuff? Yeah,
0: cool. you seen that in aquariums?
1: They're smart. They're smart. Mm-hmm. I like that. Watch My Octopus Teacher. Good movie. I
0: did. I did.
1: A little that weird. but good movie. <laughs> yeah, a little
0: weird. If we're talking about weird. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, thanks, Danny. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for
1: talking. Bye, on.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Space Spiels. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a fellow space nerd. And follow us and rate the podcast. It really helps us out. I'll talk to you next week.